0: to your biological kids or for some of you you uh, you tend to be the father in wherever uh, life sends you so you are uh, sometimes fathering people who are not necessarily your kids uh, but you're helping them out and uh, giving them advice along the way and we appreciate you in doing that uh, a quick update we want to just, just try to touch base with you and we mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, that we are, working with the Solomon Foundation, uh, which uh, works with with churches to help them get their their first building. Uh, it's a Christian organization. They not only provide funding, but they also provide all kinds of help. And uh, so we wanted to let you know we submitted all the documentation for that. There's a lot of things uh, that went into that. So it wasn't necessarily the easiest thing in the world, but they are reviewing that. We should have, um, we should have some response from them here probably the, within the next two weeks. And we'll definitely keep you updated. But we wanted to let you know where we were in that process. Um, We started just a few weeks ago on a a new series uh, called Fearless, uh, Big Prayers Worth Praying. And uh, we're continuing in that today. And I noticed something in my life a few years ago that... uh, if I was ever running late to something, how many of you uh, are, you're like, if you're on time, you're late. How many of you fall in that category? How many of you are, you know, you're, that's just who you are. You typically run just a little bit behind. That's okay. Nobody, I, I find that really hard to believe, by the way. Um, but I, I, uh, I found that typically I like to be just a little bit, you know, ahead of time. Uh, but every once in a while I do run late. But uh, I run late for various reasons, you know, sometimes it's just getting our family together and out the door, that can, that can typically run us a little bit behind, or maybe I just lost track of time and I was uh, doing something important, or maybe it was nothing important at all. You probably found yourself like scrolling on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, watching some kind of funny video along the way, and you kind of lost track of time. You're like, oh man, I'm going to be late. And then I realized that I've never run late because I was like, praying too long, right? I mean, I I don't know about you, but I've never heard anybody say like, I was so involved in my prayer life, I lost track of time. And I just, uh, I I just kind of skipped out there. And I think that's because for most of us, if you're like me, uh, you're like most people, is that Prayer life can be something that we struggle with naturally. Uh, it doesn't seem like it comes to us naturally. Sometimes you can feel like words that just come out of our mouth, but they don't go any higher than the ceiling. Or maybe you've prayed before and it just seemed like it didn't matter, uh, whatever it was. Or, or maybe you felt like, listen, God's going to do what God's going to do anyway, so what's the point in praying about it, whatever. So we wanted to, to, to do a series that would dive in to maybe help us, uh, those of us who struggle with our prayer life to to think about praying outside of the box. And so the first week we talked about this idea of praying with awareness that we would ask God to search us and in doing so reveal some things to us. Reveal the the, the condition of our heart that God would see that or re- reveal to God and, and us the condition of our mind. What are the things we're afraid of what worries us and then help us to be aligned with his mission, his purpose, his calling for our life. And then last week, uh, we talked about a prayer of confession, that that we would have a place where we would just uh, be honest and open with God about the things that we would rather not talk about, we don't really want to deal with. Uh, they're they're kind of the, the dirty secrets that we just want to kind of keep Keep locked up, that we would be open in confessing those things, and through that process, bring about healing. And today, we're going to continue in that theme. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Ephesians uh, chapter two. And I want to begin today, kind of asking you a question: if you would be, if you'd be honest with yourself, you don't have to say it out loud, but uh, if you were kind of to diagnose your typical prayer life, like when you pray, what do you pray about? Um, would it be, God, what what can you do for me or those that I love, right? So that might look like, God, would you heal this person? Or God, would you be with them? Or God, would you help me through this situation? Or God, would you heal this thing? okay. Um, there's nothing wrong with those. Those are important things. I think God wants us to come to him with those things, uh, because he loves us and he cares about the things that are on our heart. But I wonder if there's a part of our life, there's a part of your life and my life that also prays, God, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Uh, imagine, uh... It's a Saturday afternoon, and uh, you have a ton of things on your, your list of, of stuff to do. And somebody comes to you and says, hey, I know you got a lot to do, uh, but could you, could you do this for me too? And you love them, so you would listen to that, and you might even be able to squeeze it in. But imagine how different it sounds if somebody comes to you and says, hey, listen, I, I know there's a lot to do. What, what can I do for you? Well, that's a game changer. We're not used to that, right? Because that takes that person outside of their context and, and recognizes that there's more going on in the world than them. Now, I know that that analogy seems a little odd in the context of our relationship with God. But I do think it's important for us to recognize that a prayer that is a, a big prayer worth praying is, helps us understand that there is a life outside of us. And that praying about that helps us understand or see more clearly what God is doing in the world. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says this, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from uh, yourselves, but it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I want you to think about that because a part of this big prayer worth praying is the idea that God would have something in mind for you to do today. I don't know if you thought about this, but there's probably some kind of uh, thing that, that God is hoping you will recognize today that you would partake in his kingdom today. For some of you, it may have just been, well, I need to go to church. And that might be true. There might be some truth to that. However, my guess is that might be something even bigger than that. But the problem is, is that we're often so busy we fail to see it. In fact, in fact, in our culture, we idolize busyness, right? Uh, think about the last time you got together with your friends and you asked a simple question like, hey, how are things going? And they probably responded like, good, we're just so busy. We got so much going on, and you responded similar. Yeah, yeah, we got this going on and that activity going on because we kind of idolize busyness. Imagine to yourself for just a moment if you ask your friend, you know, "Hey, how are things going?" They said, "Really, really good." I mean, I have nothing on my calendar for the next four months. I mean, zero. I'm not doing anything. Wide open. We'd be like, "What?" I mean, you're not doing anything. We don't value that. We value busyness. And so I think sometimes we can be so busy and we have a desire of the things that we want to do. We couple those together that it's hard to remember that God has a plan for you and I. And therefore, I think it's important for us not to become so content with our life That we overlook a holy interruption. These holy interruptions happen all the time throughout Scripture. I think about this in the life of Moses. You remember the story of Moses, where he's been he's been in the desert uh, as, a, as a shepherd for a long, long time, year after year after year. And I don't know about you, if you ever been in the desert, uh, just walking around, there's not a whole lot of really cool things to look at, right? It's, it's it's bushes and sand, and that's it, and sheep. I mean, it's there's not a lot of great things happening going on in the desert. And all of a sudden, right? There's this bush that's on fire, and Moses decides that he's going to stop what he's doing and check it out. And he does so, and his whole life changes. But I wonder for you and I, if there's, if there's a moment where we, you know, we see something on fire, and we're like, I am not touching that with a 10-foot pole. I don't need another interruption in my day. In fact, I I would rather not be interrupted at all. And I wonder if sometimes we miss the holy interruption because it doesn't fit our otherwise previously scheduled daily life. And so I wonder if we started the day something like this. God, here am I. Send me. Now you may remember that from... Somebody named Isaiah, and we're going to talk about that. But I think there's, uh, there's a, a few ways that we can respond to a life that says, here am I, send me. And for most of us, that seems really scary. That seems like writing this big blank check to God, and you don't know what he's going to call you to do. In fact, if you're like me, you think worst case scenario, right? I, and I'll, I'll kind of finish this story up later. But I remember years ago, I worked for a church, and they had, uh, they had a ministry where there for like 20 years, they had been sending people to Honduras. And they would serve, they would build homes, and they would go to, uh, to this dump and they would feed people and they'd hike up these mountains and they would, you know, bring them supplies and... and, and so year after year after year, as I'm on staff there, they would say, like, Steve, you really need to go, man. This is life-changing. And all I could hear, it was almost like, uh, what was it, uh, Charlie Brown's teachers, like, want, 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 hard work, want, 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 really hot, want, you know, I'm like, want, want, terrible sleeping conditions. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound like fun at all. I mean, I would, can we not serve someone where it's, like, cold? I mean, uh, and we can sleep in nice beds or something? I mean, Those people need Jesus, too. Um, And I just, it seemed like something that, you know, I'm like, listen, I love to serve God, but not like that. And I don't know about you, but I have been in that situation time after time after time where you're like, all right, listen, God, I will serve you wherever you want to go. And all of a sudden, the next day, a door opens. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that way, though, God. That was not exactly what I was hoping you would call me to. I think we see those in the Bible. We see people like Jonah. Remember the story of Jonah where God says, All right, listen, Jonah, there's these people in Nineveh, and they, man, they're living this crazy lifestyle. And I need somebody who's going to go and tell them about me. You remember Jonah's response, it was an open refusal. I'm, I'm not going. In fact, he runs in the opposite direction, and God chases him down. Sometimes our, our life looks a lot like that where it's like, listen, I'll do anything, but I am not doing that. Other times it doesn't look like a, like a complete or uh, open refusal. It looks a whole lot more like Moses So the story of the burning bush, right? And God says, listen, I need somebody to go speak to my people and free them from the hands of the Egyptians, right? And Moses like, that's cool, but that's not me. And God says, oh no, 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 no. It's you, man. I need, I'm calling you. And he and he keeps coming up with all these reasons and rationales why he's not the guy. Listen, I'm not, I'm not a good speaker. I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm all these things that God keeps giving him reply after reply after reply until Moses finally says, listen, all those things are, are really kind of pointing to, I don't want to do it. <laughs> That's what, how Moses ends that conversation. The guy says, all right, listen, it's you, but I'll send you some help. And Moses relinquishes See, sometimes I think when God opens a door for us, we, we begin looking for loopholes. It's like, no, listen, you got the wrong person. Like, there's somebody who's way better equipped to serve in that way. There's somebody who, who kind of specializes in, in helping kids' classes. There's people who are way better about helping teens. Or I'm not the person to ever teach a class or lead a ministry. I don't really know those things. You need to find the right person for the job. And God says, no, 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 I gave you the holy interruption. I think I know what I did. And we keep looking for a loophole. But Isaiah's story looks like this. And it's bold. There's a group of people, it's God's people, and he says, Listen, I need you to go to them, and and I need you to, to tell them about me and remind them about me. And it's gonna be a it's gonna be a terrible task. And Isaiah says, And I'm not sure. I, I feel like I'm not equipped. And God says, you're equipped. And do you remember Isaiah's next words? He says, I'm looking for somebody to go. And Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. Isaiah doesn't say like, all right, if you, can, you, can you give me kind of the lay down of the land or what's the time frame on this or how much is this going to cost me emotionally or physically or, or financially or how much am I going to have to invest or for what time period am I going to have to do this? Isaiah basically writes a blank check and lets God cash it in as he needs and I wonder if we're so sometimes scared of that, or maybe sometimes we're just so consumed in our own thought process and daily life that, that we're too busy to, to tune in to God and say, "Listen, God, where is it that you need to send me today? Would you open my eyes to that as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he, he he starts, or we read just a portion of this, that he reminds them that they are God's handiwork, that God created them for something. He created them with a purpose that he has in mind for something for them to do. But that's not exactly where it starts, that Paul has to get them to that point. So if you backtrack to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, this is what it says. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. See, how do we get to a life that that honestly looks at saying, okay, here am I, send me. God, you write the check and, and I'll catch it wherever it is. It doesn't matter what you're calling me to. I'm open to it. See, for most of us, that just scares us half to death. But Paul sets up this idea of saying, listen, you were created by God for a purpose. But before we get to that point, we have to start with a common ground here. And the common ground is, You remember the decisions you made before in your life? Do you remember when you were at the helm of all of your worst decisions? It was you. You created them all. You were involved in it. Sure, some bad things happened to you. But you have been present for all of your biggest regrets. See, for some of us, the reason why we don't hand God that blank check over our life is because we don't see any problem with our navigation skills. It's hard to be open to the direction of God if you don't see an issue with your own navigation skills. It's hard to trust Him over that. When you say, listen, I think I got it pretty good. I I do these things. I serve in these ways. You know, I'm helpful at these times when it fits my schedule. I think I'm covered. I think I'm good. Paul starts off by saying, no, 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 no. We're all in the same boat. You remember? You remember when when we had direction over our life and we kept making the wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision? There has to be somebody who comes in and changes that. Paul points us in the right direction in verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we are dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you have been, been, uh, been saved. And God raises up with Christ and seats us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he may show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in, G- in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. I think sometimes growing up, um, maybe you grew up like me. We grew up in this era where it was like Sunday morning, we went to church, uh, and my parents, my dad was a a joy bus captain, which is, you know, I'm convinced no matter what he does the rest of his life, he's got a, a crown of jewels in heaven. You know, what I mean, like, that is, <laughs> that that was a terrible job. And every every uh, every Saturday, my brother and I had the same job. We would take a hose and two putty knives that my dad gave us, and we would clean out the the joy bus, because there was always, like, gum and, and boogers stuck everywhere. You know, you just... I'm telling you the truth. It's true. It's terrible. But we did it, and I think we did a lot of things because we felt guilty. We felt like somebody was, like, shaming us into these good works, you know. And so we did a whole lot of things, like, hoping that we would do enough things to cover up all the bad things that we had done. So it was like, all right, I did, you know, 20 bad things this week. So I gotta figure out, you know, 21 good things to save myself from getting out of it. So I'll take two putty knives this week. You know, what I mean it was, it was this never ending cycle of trying to redeem all the bad things that that I had done or that you had done. And this guilt, or maybe, maybe it was like this guilt from God, this, 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 uh, this god being that's like kind of looking down at you and like man why are you doing this you're never gonna measure up and so is this the fear of god and the guilt of man that kind of drove us to do these things And that was never for the right reason it's just not the fear of god nor the guilt of man that opens our hearts to god's will I want to read that again. It's not the fear of God nor the guilt of man that opens our hearts, opens our hearts to God's will. It's only the grace and love of God that truly accomplishes that. See, if you grew up in an era where you were scared uh, to death of hell, and that's what drove you into a relationship with Jesus, I'm glad you found him, but that wasn't wasn't the best way to find out who God was. Paul says the best way to find out is when you were dead in your transgressions, there was a God who loved you even in the middle of it. And he pulled you out of that by grace and love. And it's because of that, that we're open to God's will. It's not, oh man, well, I have to do this because uh, you remember my former life and now I'm trying to make good graces or I don't want to feel guilty about things or man, I'm afraid that somebody at church is going to ask somebody and, you know, they're going to play on the guilt trip heavy. So I've got to serve every, you know, six weeks or I got to put in my debt. That's not the way that it works. See, you can be manipulated that way, but God's not into manipulation. See, Paul, as he talks about the handiwork of Christ, that that God has called us to do something, says, listen, God isn't into manipulation. And if you're a part of the church, the church shouldn't be into manipulation. The reason why you act in accordance with what God wants you to do is because God loves you so much and because he gives you grace. And it's out of that that you want to do things for God. Imagine this for just a moment. You're married, you wake up one morning and you say, you know, I realized last week I was rude to you and short-tempered and, you know, I left my dirty laundry on the floor and all these things. So I wrote you a card. Does that make up for all the bad things that I did? And after you picked yourself up off the floor, it doesn't work that, right? A relationship doesn't work that way. And our relationship with God doesn't work that way. See, isn't it much better that, says that a relationship that looks like this? Man, I love you so much. I would do anything for you. I love you so much that I would would sacrifice for you, and I don't even look at it as a sacrifice. It's just the way that I love you. See, when you're around that kind of relationship, doesn't it change the ball game? We do it with our kids all the time. Imagine your little baby bring home from, uh, from the hospital. You put it in, in the, the, the crib at night, and then you lay down, and you're tired because you all just went through this whole ordeal of having a baby, and then it starts crying at 2 a.m., and you do say, no, 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 listen, that's not how it works here. <laughs> we sleep at night. We're up during the day. Or you don't say, well, well, listen, what's the last time you did anything for me? You start doing something for me, I'll do something for you. No, we look at that relationship and you would say, listen, if it takes me waking up every night at 2 a.m. to feed you, I will because I love you. And sure, we get irritated, and sure, we get aggravated, and sure, there's things that come up from time to time, but we would do it over, and we do do it over, and over, and over again, not because of guilt, and not because of manipulation, although sometimes we wonder. We do it because of love. And so, what if, what if there is on the other side of that a loving God who doesn't want to manipulate you and isn't looking to force you to do things that you don't want to do. But he knows the areas in which, number one, you need to grow, and number two, the world needs you. Even though you feel so ill-equipped, even though you see yourself and you're like, man, I am not the right person. God looks at you and says, oh, no, 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 no. Long before you were ever born, I created you with a purpose. Don't don't question it. Just know I'm with you and I created you. Listen to this again one more time. And for some of you, you need to underline it. You need to highlight it. You need to say it over and over. You need to start your day with it. For we are God's handiwork. Or maybe you need to write in there, For I am God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works today, which God prepared in advance for me to do today. Are you open to to God's holy interruption today, even if it costs you, even if it takes you outside of your comfort zone, even if it makes you miss the thing that you thought you were going to do that day, but now you're doing something completely different. So, for almost 20 years, 15 years roughly, I kept getting asked this question over and over again Steve. You need to go to Honduras, man. You love it, and I'm like, there. Honestly, everything you say about it sounds awful. I don't, I don't like any of it, other than the Jesus part. That's about it. A couple years ago, uh, my wife and I, uh, she came home from a meeting that she had, and 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 I'll never forget. She's like, "I'm going to Honduras," and I was like, "Oh, crying out loud." I thought I had abandoned this years ago. Uh, She was like, I want you to go too. And I was like, please tell me there's air conditioning somewhere, you know. (laughs) God was opening doors like God does. And I went, I'll tell you, I experienced God like I had never, ever ever. Experienced him before. See, I thought, oh, God, listen, I don't want to be inconvenienced. And God was like, man, I have something for you that's going to blow your mind. I remember sitting in this crowd the very first night we were there. There was a, 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 like 120 uh, missionaries that were there. and We were there serving them. And it was the first time for some of them that, that they had gotten to sing a worship song in their uh, native tongue as they were leading services for the people there in Honduras. And and as they began to sing in English, I mean, emotion just came over them. And I sat in the back of the room because the next day I'm supposed to speak to them, and I thought, God, man, I have nothing to say. I mean, what do you say about that? And I watched as they would weep and they would give their life to God, some of them with such deep brokenness. As they watched people walk through some of the hardest parts of their life, day in and day out. And here I am saying, God, I don't want to do this because, man, uh, for, a, for a week I have to sleep when it's hot and uncomfortable. And here they are, they've given their life to it. Veronica and I, before that trip, we were trying to decide if we uh, wanted a bigger home because our home for eight people seemed a little bit cramped. And so we had actually even looked at the house. We were going to put in an offer when we got back. I remember on the way home, we were flying the plane. Both of us looked at each other and we said, we're not buying that house. We don't need it. See, God didn't send me on that trip for anything I did, although I tried to do helpful things. God sent me on that trip to change me and my attitude and my mind and more of a relationship with him. And for years, I'd been fighting that because I didn't want that change. Deep down inside, I wanted comfortability. And God needed me to be open to say, here am I. Send me, because oftentimes, send me means God, would you change me? God, would you change the way I see people? Would you change the way I talk about people? Would you change the way I perceive the world? For some of us, we have been attending church for a long time. And yet, we still feel like there is something missing something is still slightly off, and we keep thinking that eventually it'll click, and maybe it's our mental health, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to check out our mental health, or maybe it's making more money, or maybe it's working our way up the ladder, or, or maybe it's a relationship, or maybe if we get our family in line, or maybe if we kind of remove ourselves from family, whatever it is, and all those things can be at times helpful and good, but I want to tell you that the Sometimes the feeling that there's something missing is generally tied to a disconnect from your purpose. And I wonder for us if we begin to pray, God, open my eyes to your holy interruption today. That when I would see it, I would drop everything to follow you and what you've called me to do. And it generally, our biggest fear uh, never comes true most of the time. I don't want to say that indefinitely because some of you might be like, I don't know, I feel like God's calling me to Indonesia. Maybe, uh, probably not, but could be. But more realistically, I think maybe it's taking time out to sit with somebody else and listen to them. And serve them maybe it's being open to an invitation that you've been so close to for so long because you said I'm not the person I'm not the right one to do it there's somebody way more qualified than me but God hasn't let that go because he's called you to that work would you this week church as you begin every day this week would you pray that you would be open to accept God's call for your life this week? You'd be open to him and his perfect purpose, what he designed for you to do this week. And while you do that, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and give you peace. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with tremendous joy. May you be swept away in God's love for you and transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thanks be to the only God, our Savior, who is unparalleled and unchanging, who is matchless and merciful supreme and sufficient who is before all things and through all things and in all things both now and forever amen would you stand with us as we continue in worship